and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that, that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you are going to want to check them out. Now, you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. And if you want to support the show even more, become a patron today at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. And if a visual thing is more your thing, you can follow me on our brand new YouTube channel, of course, at Speak a Dogcast as well. And if you guys love what you're hearing, do me a favor, scroll on down, click that five-star rating, leave me a review. I would love to know what you guys are thinking of the show. It's only going to help the podcast grow. If you're on YouTube, click that thumbs up, click that like button, scroll on down. Yes. And I actually wanted to read uh, one of my most recent reviews that we had on Apple Podcasts. And this comes from Maddie Mac 303 Now, Maddie Mac says, this podcast has without a doubt helped our timid Australian cattle dog, Lainey, break out of her shell. Whether you're interested in improving your dog's behavior or simply trying to learn about dog psychology, listen to this podcast. It's packed full of valuable information and is sure to better the relationship between you and your dog. Easy to comprehend and captivating for sure. Thank you so much, Maddie, for that review. That was so awesome. And I am so happy that the podcast and the information has really helped you guys with your dog. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of your training journey. So for all you guys out there, if you love what you're hearing, do me a favor, take a moment, click that five-star rating or leave me a review. Thank you guys. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now on today's show, we're going to talk about reinforcing relaxation. Are you spending enough time finding those moments to reinforce and strengthen relaxing behaviors in your dog? Tune in to find out. Then comes dog influencers. What's that going to be all about? You just got to listen in to hear. Then we have the first pet segment, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have questions for that listener Q&A, you can keep them coming my way. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or you can just message me on social media as well. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, how many species of alligators are there? Yes, how many species of alligators are there? I will give you the answer to today's tri- uh, trivia question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around. Sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speaking Dogcast, reinforcing relaxation. It is something that most owners do not spend enough time doing. And that is to say, we don't spend enough time reinforcing, strengthening, and increasing the likelihood that our dog is going to want to choose relaxation over anything else, whether that be overexcitement or anxiety or what have you. I don't know about you guys, but I would prefer my dogs be more relaxed. It's not to say I don't want them to have fun. It's not to say I don't want them to go run and be a dog. It's not to say I don't want them to be I'm not saying I don't want my dogs to be excited when I get home. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if we spent more times on the whole, as as dog owners on the whole, if we spent more time focusing in on strengthening relaxation in our in our dogs, we'd see a lot less behavioral issues of like jumping on people and pulling on leash and getting overexcited, or maybe even be surprised even barking at things they hear outside. There are so many things that that just reinforcing a relaxed state of mind in your dog, so many behaviors, you're going to minimize the likelihood of them ever happening or repeating if they already happen. Okay, so we're going to talk into some details of this and some examples today of what I mean. 
And again, you know, then there's also the side of like, what is relaxation? We're going to talk about that. We're going to start it there today, but we're going to talk about what is relaxation? What am I talking about? What are we looking for to reinforce? That's the first thing. We have to understand what we're looking for. The second thing is, what if your dog doesn't relax? What if they don't give you that relaxation? What if they're constantly crazy? How do we get our dogs to that state? Because, you know, look, as I always say, if we're going to reinforce a behavior, we want it to be a desired behavior. But if there's no behavior to reinforce, right, if our dog isn't giving us the desired behavior we're looking for, well, then we can't reinforce it. So that's an important question we have to ask today is if our dog doesn't relax, how in the world do I ever strengthen relaxation? So we're going to talk a little bit about how to get them to that relaxed state of mind. Uh, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about a dog's state of mind in general. And that's going to kind of go with the first portion of this segment as well. So you know what, actually, let's, I, I'm going to flip it. I was going to start with uh, talking about what relaxation is. Let's talk about state of mind first. I'm going to flop, flip flop it there today. All right, so state of mind. I've talked about this a few times on the show. And look, it's it's pretty simple for a, actually, it's not pretty simple. It's, it's very simple. It is quite simplistic on how a dog's brain operates. It's very black and white. It's, it's very simple in that it's all about a one track mind. Hey, you ever heard men are like dogs? Well, there's a reason because our brains are wired very similar. <laughs> okay, it's that one track mind and dogs are very much in that state of mind, right? So they find themselves on this one track. Look, I always give the example, if you've ever seen that Disney movie Up, everybody, you know, you know it. Uh, and and uh, what's the dog's name? Um, oh my gosh, what's the dog's name in Up? I'm totally blanking. Doug, there it is. And Doug, Doug is talking and he's having a conversation and all of a sudden he goes, squirrel. Right. He literally cannot focus. And I love it because it's the essence of a dog brain. That's why it's like the greatest example like that you can visually see um, in the sense that he's having a conversation and all of a sudden he gets distracted by the squirrel and he literally cannot pay attention to both at the same time. Can't do it. And it's so true with a dog brain. Think about it. Think of your own dog when they see a squirrel, when they see the rabbit. You sometimes become chopped liver if we haven't trained them well enough. Right. Um, so, again, state of mind. So if a dog becomes hyper-focused, if a dog becomes obsessive is another word for it, if they become obsessive about any of these things. Um, I, I've got a, I know I've got a client coming up with a, a dog who chases rabbits very badly to the point that it's bowling her over. Um, and we're going to see what that's all about. But it's obsessive. I can already hear from the phone call, it's obsessive. And when they get into these states of mind, right, nothing else matters. They're gone. So, okay, what if the dog is anxious? What if the dog has anxiety issues and they find themselves in this constant anxious state and then they get stuck in it? And guys, I, I kind of look at it, it's like it's like a race car and a racetrack, right? And and by no means, I'm not a NASCAR expert. I may get the speeds wrong here. So anybody who's a fan, don't hate me. But look, I say it's like the brain should be, right? Should be a race car and a racetrack going at a reasonable speed. I think they go like 170, 180 miles an hour. I, I don't know. Come on. I, just, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, when a dog is anxious, that speeds up to like three to four to 500 miles an hour. And they're going around this track so fast, they get so stuck in this state of anxiety that they, they're going so fast in this state, they cannot see anything else out. They can't see the people in the stands. They can't see the world around them because they get so stuck in this state. And not only that, a dog is going to get so stuck in that state because they go, hey, being anxious works for me, right? Like, let's give the example of a dog who maybe has anxiety over strangers and uh, is fearful of strangers and barks at strangers. And in their brain, 
they're going, well, this keeps me safe. I'm still alive. Woof, 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 stranger. You, you went away. You left me alone. Hey, it worked. I'm going to do it again. The only reason an animal re- repeats a behavior is because it gets reinforced and they get something out of it. In their brain, they think this is, works for them and they keep doing it and they get into this. Okay, long story short, they get into this obsessive state and they get stuck in it. Okay, so that's the state of mind I'm talking about. When I do come across a dog who has severe anxiety issues, even when it tends... Look, when we talk about aggression aggression tendencies in dogs, that is on the spectrum of an anxiety issue. It is, because a lot of times those dogs, not always, but a lot of times those dogs are, um, they're acting cautious in the sense that I'm going to bite you, I'm going to growl at you, I'm going to tell you <laughs> that I'm here before you have a chance to bite me. Okay, it's, it's all... So they get stuck in this. They get stuck in these moments thinking, this works for me, I'm going to do it again, and their brain cannot get out of it. My job, your job as the owner, if you have a dog like this, our job is to put speed bumps on that racetrack and slow the brain down, jolt the brain out of it a little bit. Okay, now there's all details on how we do that, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is that state of mind. I want you to understand that dogs have that one track state of mind. It's very important that we understand that we see that and we can recognize that. So let's go to the other side. We're talking about anxious dogs and this. And that. What about dogs that are stable? What do dogs, what, are, what, are, what does a stable dog look like? Relaxation for the most part, this little girl. <laughs> Relaxation. Okay, relaxed state of mind. They're stable. They're not jumping the gun on everything. They're not barking every time they hear a noise immediately to the point that they're bolting to the front door. It's one thing to boof. Did I hear something? Hark? Was that something outside? Okay, that's, that's a little different than the full throttle. I'm going straight to the door and losing my mind. If I have a dog in a relaxed state, they tend to do more processing. They think more about what they're doing. Versus a dog in an anxious state that gets so stuck in it that they just go, 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 go. I always say, dogs that go, 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 they get themselves in trouble. They do. Because they think this one way works for them. And in fact, as you guys, come on, as human beings, we know you can't react to the same thing uh, the same way every time. You can't do that. You have to react to everything a little differently. And dogs that are anxious and get stuck in this bad state, they've never been taught to relax. And they find themselves in this constant anxious, anxious mode. Okay. So... A dog that is stable, they actually think about what they're doing more often. They process, you know. Um, look, another example, not to even get on the anxiety side, but let's just say I have a puppy who's really over-energetic and literally cannot sit still for two seconds. And they jump all over. And, they, and, and let's say this is the first time I'm working with them and I'm just trying to get something as simple as, ah, relaxation. Look, he, here's the thing. I always start with relaxation. That's where it always begins. I actually, I think I talked about this a couple episodes ago. Um, when I walk in at a consultation, I do almost every single time, almost, it depends, but most of the time, should I say not even almost every, but most of the time, I have an exercise I run through and it's very simplistic. I leash up the dog and if they sit down and look up at me and give me eye contact and some form of focus, they get a treat and a reward. That simple. The longer they sit there, the longer they stay relaxed, the more rewards they get. It's a very basic exercise. I am showing this dog, relax and you get something. Relax and you get something. Relax and you get something. And before you know it, this dog literally goes into a relaxed state of mind to the point they they usually end up just lying down. 
And when I have a dog who's really over, a puppy especially, who's really over energetic, who cannot sit still, who jumps all, who's just, you know, get the treat and they're jumping on you again. They get the treat, they're jumping on you. They just, da, 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 da. and after 10, 15 minutes of working through it, all of a sudden we get to this relaxed state and the owner will look at me and go, I've never seen the dog relax that much. And here's the point, here's the connection. Now we know what a, what a, what a state, now we're starting to see the signs of what a relaxed dog looks like, of what a relaxed state of mind looks like. Now, this isn't gonna be permanent with this dog. This is the first time I've done it with him, but this is where it begins. Again, if I have a dog jumping all over me and going nuts, I, I can't reward that. That's not relaxed, right? So instead, I have to wait for the relaxation to happen and then reward it. Sometimes it's a matter of waiting them out. Sometimes it's a matter of making a little correction. If they jump up on me, I put my knee forward. I'm not kicking them, I'm putting my knee forward to create a boundary. And that way they stop jumping on me. And then they try to jump on me again. Same thing, little knee forward, they back down. And they're going, boy, that isn't working for them. And all of a sudden they sit down and relax. And then I throw a treat. Boom, there's a treat. And they go, oh, wait a second. Okay. And again, before you know it, the dog ends up in a relaxed state of mind. Now we have something to reinforce. Now is the time to strengthen the hell out of that. <laughs> okay. All right. So not enough people spend the time to wait their puppy out, especially puppies, wait the dog out, wait them out, guys, let them relax, and then reinforce and strengthen it. You will be shocked how quickly, if you do this exercise of just leashing them up and hanging out at your house, letting them do their thing to the, to a, you know, until they relax, and throw, you will be shocked <laughs> how quickly your dog is going to start choosing relaxation over anything else because of the simple fact, it gets them something, so why wouldn't they wanna keep doing that? Ah, let's go back to the anxiety a second. And what did I say just about, what, five, ten minutes ago? What did I say? Maybe not ten minutes ago, okay. But maybe about five minutes ago, what did I say? I said that a dog who's anxious, will often, especially like if we have those aggressive tendencies, they'll oftentimes go, woof, 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 and another dog and as a warning and say, right, I'm here, here's your warning. And in their brains, they go, ooh, that worked for me. You know how I know the brain is at least somewhat thinking that? Because tomorrow when we come back and do that again, guess what? The dog does the same thing. The pattern's increasing, strengthening, therefore it's being reinforced. And if it's being reinforced, the animal is getting something out of it, at least mentally they think they are, and therefore they continue to do the behavior. Okay, so there's the other side of the spectrum. If I relax a reinforced state of mind, the dog's gonna go, oh, relaxing works for me, I'm gonna keep doing that. If we either inadvertently reinforce or allow the dog to passively reinforce themselves uh, by getting away with a behavior such as er, growling, barking, what have you, they keep doing it. Behavior is very simplistic like this, guys. It's all what gets reinforced, whether we are actively or passively reinforcing something, it's all what behaviors we get reinforced. So if early on in the training, I can find those moments of relaxation and reinforce, or excuse me, create those moments. We haven't talked about finding moments of relaxation. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but there's the most basic way to create relaxation, guys. Leash up your dog and wait till they relax. <laughs> okay, maybe some small redirections of the leash. If they're jumping on me, maybe a little small knee into them to tell them you don't like it. You can say the word no with it, that's fine. But I'm gonna wait till they relax. And once they do, I'm going to reward that with a treat and maybe a little bit of praise. I don't wanna go too nuts uh, with the praise because sometimes it can pump them up and get them overexcited again, which is what we're trying to avoid. Now, let's, for a moment, before we continue on, on the relaxation train, let's just talk about excitement versus overexcitement for a moment. 
Guys, I want our dogs to be excited at the right times, okay? I do, like we get home, I want my dog to be happy to see me. Who the hell wouldn't? That's crazy. But I don't want my dog to be overexcited to see me, to be jumping all over me, to be mouthing me, to be whining and going nuts. No, I don't want any of that. I want them to come over, wag their tail, maybe a little bit of panting, nothing crazy, happy to see me. The intro lasts a minute, maybe two at most, and that's it, and then they move on and no big deal. That's ideal, that's excitement, that's happiness, it's not overexcitement. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fine line and yet it's not. And quite frankly, I do think people not only allow their dogs to get overexcited, but reinforce it because we think that overexcited state is healthy and normal, and in fact it's not, okay? So make sure you're only reinforcing and looking for excited states of mind at the appropriate times and we're reinforcing it the appropriate amount. So just kind of wanted to make that little side note distinguishing uh, remark on that, okay? so. Going back to relaxation, we've learned the most basic way to get relaxation. I can hear some people going, David, my dog has way too much energy. He, I could sit there for an hour on leash with him and he isn't going to relax. Guys, I know what that means. That means you're not walking your dog enough, okay? You're not exercising your dog enough. I see it over and over. It is very hard for, it is, it's very hard for a dog to get to a relaxed state of mind if they have the physical and mental energy to spare, you know? And especially any of you puppy owners out there, guys, they got batteries and reserve tanks of, of energy, of fuel, okay? So you better be walking your dog a ton. Get them out there, exercise them. Not just the walks, of course, playtime, all that good stuff too, but the walk is the most important thing. And if you if you feel like you could sit there for an hour and your dog will never relax, oh, walk your dog more, guys. Exercise your dog more. I'm telling you. I'm tell well, David, I take my golden retriever for 20-minute walks once a day. It's not enough, guys. Not for a golden retriever. You're nowhere even close. Try again. All right. <laughs> okay. So that's the thing. To get your dog to a relaxed state, it is, and, and to keep it going and keep it permanent, like that's just it. Even when I go to a consult and, and I've got this dog who, who gets to a good relaxed state within, you know, 20 minutes, an hour at most is usually how long the consultation lasts. Um it's not going to be permanent. It's not going to be permanent without filling in all the all the gaps. And that's the exercise, the walks, all that good stuff too. Now let's talk about finding moments to capture, right? Finding moments where your dog relaxes on their own. Because at some point your dog is going to go lay down, right? They're, they're going to stop. And if they aren't going to stop, if they're that hyped up, guys, you need to contact a professional then. You, you need maybe a little extra help, okay? Just throwing that one out there. Uh, Reminder, guys, free consultations with the virtual, uh, virtual consultations, rather, free virtual consultations till the end of May. We're doing them. Feel free to reach out to me. Questions at speakadogcast.com. Um, with that said, actually, let's go ahead and segue. I wanted to talk about somebody I actually spoke with the other day at a virtual consult. Um, it, you know, the reason why is it's so relevant to the segment right now, and that's the fact that they've been listening to the podcast for a while, and they've become, you know, big fans, and that's awesome, and thank you guys for listening. And what they told me is they've really honed in because their dog is a little hyped up. You know, it's a puppy and it's a it's a <laughs> it's it's a high energy breed, right? There's just no other way to put it. And they knew that. And they knew what they're getting into <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> you can never predict every dog. Uh, anyway, and they've noticed that focusing them focusing on finding moments of relaxation to reinforce has gone such a long way for their dog being calmer around the house. Okay, so this is what we're going to talk about is finding those moments of relaxation, finding moments. So if your dog goes and lays down on the dog bed, you're just going to go, hey, good boy, good girl. Throw him a treat. If you're sitting on the couch watching TV, throw him a treat. 
The point is you don't want to be complacent to moments that your dog puts themselves into a relaxed, puts himself into a relaxed state, right? Don't be complacent to moments your dog relaxes. Tell him you love it. I don't care how mundane, normal, run-of-the-mill, every day it seems that your dog is going and relaxing. Tell them you love it. I cannot stress it enough because, again, you're going, well, David, I never would have thought to do that. Exactly. Uh, I'm just being honest. Exactly. Nobody thinks to do this. I don't know why. Tell your dog you love it when they relax because it's very simple. The more we reinforce and strengthen. Look, here's the point. And I can hear it. David, do you just want my dog to just lay down all the time and be boring? And no, because dogs aren't that way. That's not going to happen. Well, unless you... You know, that's a different, a different story for a different day. If you have a depressed dog, then whatever. Okay, we're not going down that road. What I'm trying to say is that if you spend the time reinforcing and strengthening relaxation, it's going to make it a lot easier to go back to relaxation from excitement. All right. Look, I always say if, if you have a dog who is always excited and they go to overexcited and we only ever come back to really excited, but they go to overexcited, excited, overexcited, excited, and we just ping pong back and forth between these two. That means your dog doesn't has never been shown how to relax and you've never reinforced and strengthened it. So if I have a dog that's excited and we get to overexcited, I can only ever fall back to excited. But if I have a dog who's relaxed, we can get excited and we can still go back to relax because they've spent time in that state of mind. Dogs who don't experience a relaxed state of mind, they don't ever get they don't they don't know what it is. They they it's it, it becomes an anxiety, right? Like I said, they get stuck in it. So without reinforcing relaxing behaviors, relaxation in our dogs, especially if they have those issues, they have a hard time getting there themselves. Look, the pack is what teaches dogs this normally, right? If we didn't pluck puppies from their moms at such an early age, the pack would create this relaxation, would create this stability, this this medium state of mind. They would. But because we remove mom and dad and the siblings and all of that information that comes with it, Puppies lose out on all this info. They do. They lose out on so much information. And so they they then get themselves into these overexcited states. We, as the human beings, end up reinforcing these overexcited states of mind. And then all of a sudden, they, they snowball into worse things. And then we go, oh my God, why is Fluffy doing this? Because you never taught Fluffy to relax. I know, I know, I know it's tough and people don't like to hear this, but guys, puppies are not here to get, to be made hyped up and, oh my God, it's puppy. Like people, do. I just, I don't, I don't get that. I just don't get it. Why do you want your dog's heart to do this 24 hours a day? I, anybody? Because I've never heard a reasonable explanation for this. Like, Anyway, all right, so guys, point is, at the end of the day, dogs are very much a state of mind creature. It's all about the state of mind, and they will get stuck in that state of mind, unfortunately, to their detriment. So it's important that you spend time teaching your dog to relax and not be uneasy, not be anxious, not have aggressive tendencies, not even be overexcited. We want our dogs to have stability. And it's important that we start with reinforcing relaxation behaviors, strengthening those behaviors, in order to increase the likelihood that our dog wants to stay in a relaxed state of mind, right? If your dog does not have a relaxed state, if they're already very overexcited, it's important that you exercise them through walks, playtime, any and all kind of mental and physical exercise in order to bring their energy levels down. Because a dog who has too much energy, they have a very hard time getting to a relaxed state. Now, the most basic exercise I start with guys is just leashing them up and waiting for relaxation behavior. I don't even ask for a sit or a lie down. I want the dog to come to it 
on their own. Once they do, I want to strengthen and reinforce that behavior, making sure they understand anytime they relax, it gets them something good. Uh, you know, one thing I actually forgot to mention today that I'd like to just talk about right now real quick is the states of relaxation. When we talk about dogs, um, very quickly, right? We have a dog standing. This is the state of relaxation. We can see it physically through a physical manifest manifestation, really. Okay, dog standing, dog sitting. Dog sitting with the legs kicked out. You all know what I'm talking about, right? The straight down sit versus the legs kicked out. So we have dog standing, dog sitting straight down, dog's legs kicked out. Then we have lying straight down with no legs kicked out, right? That's telling us the dog is ready to pop back up. Not quite in that total relaxed state. Then we have lying down with the legs kicked out, right? So standing, sitting straight down, sitting with the legs kicked out, lying straight down. Lying down with the legs kicked out and then a total conked on their side asleep, relaxed, comfortable state, maybe even on their back a little bit, on their belly, showing that they are perfectly comfortable being in a vulnerable position. It comes down to instinct. Pay attention to it, guys. If you have an anxious dog, I can almost guarantee that they do not find those relaxed states as often as they should. But it can tell you a lot about your dog's state of mind. For example, again, we're working that exercise of just leashing them up, getting them to relax. I like to watch. How long is it going to take to get to each state of relaxation? When I do this exercise tomorrow, did that breakdown of, of all those relaxed states, did it go quicker? The answer is probably going to be yes if you're doing it correctly. All right, so just wanted to make that distinction. Okay, then of course, there is the moments to capture states of relaxation. If your dog goes and lies down on the dog bed, make sure you tell him you love it. Anytime your dog relaxes, as simple, mundane, everyday, run-of-the-mill as it might be, don't be complacent to it. Anytime your dog sits down, provides any of those states of relaxation, tell him you like it. All right, guys. So be sure you're finding those moments to reinforce and strengthen your dog being calm, being cool, being collected, and in a nice mental state of mind. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At the Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. influencers. No, I'm not talking about social media. No, I'm talking about dogs in your household influencing other dogs in your household, right? We have a two dog situation, a three dog situation, in rare cases four and five dog situations where maybe we have one dog who's really misbehaving and is part of the problem and the other one is learning from their bad habits. Now, not only from a household too, there are other dog influencers that may not be so good for your dog, and that can be the dog park, your doggy day camp facility, all different kinds of places. Look, you parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids come home and all of a sudden say a bad word that you have never said in front of them, and where in the world did they learn that? 
from another kid at school. <laughs> and unfortunately, it can be similar when it comes to dogs. They can learn some undesired behaviors from other dogs. The good news is they can also learn desired behaviors from good dogs. Um, but it's tough, right? It's tough. Look, it, it, I, I see it sometimes where we have a second dog in a household, and especially if it's a puppy. And they're taking on the bad habits of the first dog that's already been there, who's the adult dog. And what do you do? What do you do? And the answer people don't like hearing, well, guess what? You need to train your first dog. <laughs> like, can't we just train the second dog? I mean, yeah, sometimes, but guys, dogs speak the same language. And, and sometimes it doesn't matter how well you train them. If they're going to be spending majority of their life around that other dog, more, even more so than you, what do you think is going to happen? Like they're going to influence each other and it's not always for the better. Um, not always good. So what do we do about this? Look, guys, I, I always say it. If you're going to, first and foremost, if you're thinking, if you want one of the people out there and you have a dog and your first dog maybe has some issues and you're thinking about getting a second dog, think again. Okay, I mean that in the nicest way possible. Think again. You should not be getting that second dog until you deal with your first dog. And here's the years ago, oh, David, I can hear it. I hear it. David, he's not that bad. Not that bad gets amplified when you bring a second dog into the picture, guys. All of a sudden, not that bad turns into intolerable overnight. Um, behaviors you wouldn't have thought of being an issue as a single dog all of a sudden become a huge problem with the second dog. Look, I'm not trying to like scare anybody, and at the same time, I am, because I need you guys to be smart about this decision-making when we're getting a second dog. I've done segments on this before, even recently, that a second dog is not always the answer to your problems. Um, because it's not. Um, look, I even did, I, oh God, that commercial, that commercial killed me. Uh, the commercial that basically says, oh, get a second dog to solve your first dog's behavioral destructive problems. They're separate, they, they, miss, they miss you guys so much that they need a friend. Guys, sometimes they'll teach the friend to destroy the house too. Like it's not gonna necessarily solve your problems. So throwing that out there, um, let's be smart. Let's be smart. So when I talk about dog influencers, I, I mean, it's so true. Look, in a good way, um, my boot camp programs, I don't think my boot camp programs would be half as successful as they have been if it wasn't for my pack of dogs. You know, my, my different packs and the different iterations of, of my pack uh, of dogs over the years now, which is becoming such a weird thing to say, uh, <laughs> you know, as I'm getting older, like I've been doing this for 14 years. And I mean, I remember when we first started off with like just Penny Lane and, 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 and very shortly, I mean, it wasn't what, probably about a year later, we got Colby a little over a year later, we got Colby Jack. Um, but the point is I had like one or two dogs and I remember thinking like, wow, you know, this is my pack and the crazy how in 10, you know, 10, 15 years, this pack could look completely different than it does now. And it's just like, that's so far away. Like that's, that's so far off. You don't even have to think about that. And it's like, wow, holy crap, here I am. Um, so it's a little nuts. Like this is, I've had, how many dogs have I had now? I've had, um, well, let's see my original pack. Who was my, oh my gosh, I'm like having a hard time even remember. We have, <laughs> It's ridiculous. Come on. We had Benny, Colby, Fred, and uh, and Lucky. That was my that was my original pack, right? I mean, I had Penny and Colby first, and then Fred and Lucky came in about a year or two later. They came in at about the same time. Oh my goodness. Anyway, okay, I'm getting off topic here, but the point I'm trying to get to, guys, is if it wasn't for my pack of dogs and their 
their stability and their good influence on other dogs, my boot camp programs wouldn't do as well as they do. They, we wouldn't get the successes we do. I truly believe this and know it, uh, that we would not have the successes that we've had if it wasn't for my stable pack of dogs. Um, now, it also you know took 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 years to to make those packs even this pack you know i got a couple young guys still my old my old girls to know what's up but even the young guys they're, they're learning uh learning how to be a good influence and they're doing great every day and getting better every day so um they speak the same language as good as human beings as some of us out there can get at really learning to communicate with them I'll never be as good as another dog <laughs> you know I'll never be I will never have the level of of subtlety and body language and the skills that these guys have because it's very basic and instinctual for them and it's me going outside of being a human and coming down to their level so that's the reality you know and and i mean full-blown honesty look when we brought nemo in uh nemo had a lot of issues as any of my longtime listeners you you know uh nemo was a work in progress for a very long time. And and he still has his moments, but man, he has come such a long way and he's turned into such a great dog. Really, I mean, just even the past couple months, what a difference. And the influence that he had on some of the other dogs when we first brought him in was not necessarily great. I mean, it's speed bumps, it's things we had to work through and stuff we had to work through. And luckily I had my other three dogs here, uh, four dogs at one point, because Colby was around a little while for Nemo. And so luckily, that's what helped Nemo along, and that's what could also help the uh, client dogs along. But if I had like, just had Nemo, and that influence on those dogs might have not been so great. So you know, I had to be strategic about how we were doing the training and everything, because Nemo was going to have, unfortunately, that not-so-great influence if we weren't careful. Um, look, even an experience recently I had where clearly the first dog in the household had, a, had influenced a newer puppy, and this first dog had been around for years and years and years. Uh, and this puppy comes in and there's, there's issues between them. There's issues with the first dog and people. There's issues with the second dog and people now. And clearly we can see some of these were learned behaviors. Now, <laughs> what about people influence for a moment? Look, I, I, I'm not trying to hurt any feelings today. I'm really not genuinely. I, I'm genuinely not trying to hurt your feelings here, but guys, my job is to observe behavior and behavioral patterns. And I find it fascinating how many people tell me, like, here, let me see if I can try to just give a little example where they'll go, oh, you know, my new dog does this one thing, right? He Maybe he growls at people. My newer, you know, I've had him with this dog for two years, and he growls at people, but only sometimes. And you know what? My old dog did that too. Think about that. My new dog. And, and, and most oftentimes, I love it. I'll go, did these two dogs ever meet each other? No. So there's no dog influence happening here. Do you hear? Do, do you, anybody connect in the dots yet? It's something the owner is or isn't doing that is creating these behaviors. Guys, if you have a dog and you've had a dog previously and they both have very similar behaviors like that, they never met, they never influenced each other. What does that tell you? What saddens me is how many times I can point that out to people and they don't want to see it. It's, it's, I don't even think it's that they don't see it, it's that they don't want to see it. Because people, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that maybe we were the cause of our dog's anxiety. 
Maybe we were the reason Fluffy growled at people. Guys, if you never recognize these issues, how are you ever going to fix it? This is my point. I'm not slighting you. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm not trying to... My job is to try to help you fix your dog. And if we don't recognize these things, see them for what they are, you're never going to fix them. So that's why sometimes I do get pushback from clients where it's like, oh, you're mean, or it can't be that way. It's not that. And they get very defensive. And it's like, guys, I'm not... It's just like a psychologist, you know, I mean, I, I, this is why I couldn't go into psychology because you know how, how, how much people push back and get defensive and because it's a normal coping. It's one of the steps you got to do you know, to come to acceptance. And it's no different with training your dog because how often do we take our hearts and put it onto our dogs? There's that human influence that may not be so good. And so by doing that, we then create these undesired behaviors in our dogs. And then it's fascinating how not only will the dogs influence each other, but then you end up creating these behaviors with one dog and then years later doing the exact same patterns with the second dog and the exact same thing happens. And you go, wow, that's so strange. Is it, is it strange or is it a pattern? I know, a little truth bomb. Sorry about that one. Um, (laughs) All right, that's the thing. Like dogs can influence each other, but you guys can have such a profound impact on your dogs, whether it be good influence or bad. That's up to you. So if you recognize a behavior in your dog that maybe you had seen in one of your previous dogs and they've never met and influenced each other, that's a human influence, not a dog influence. Now, look, I know we're <laughs> kind of, yeah, look, it's funny. I kind of wasn't even planning on going toward the human influence today. I was going to focus more on that dog stuff, but there we went a little because, well, it's what we do, right? <laughs> we do. Uh, that's what we do to our dogs. But then there's the side of the dog parks because I can hear some people going, hey, you mentioned dog parks at the beginning of the segment. Look, I'll say it really quick. Yeah, your dogs can learn very bad behaviors at a dog park, unfortunately. They can, but that's a risk you take. It's just like your child at a playground. It is a risk you take taking your child to a playground that either A, they're going to fall down and skin their knee or a kid's going to push them or whatever, or they're going to learn a bad behavior from a kid. It's always a risk you take when taking your dog out to a doggy day camp facility or to a dog park. So as I always say, my preference is a professional doggy day camp facility that emphasizes training and behavior and has staff that is properly trained in dog behavior because that's the thing. If a dog is a bad influence and the staff allows it and it's only going to continue to perpetuate it, then, then I can't really expect anything else but the dogs to come home with bad habits. So if you are going to find a doggy day camp facility, make sure you find a reputable one. Make sure you find one that's focusing on behavior and training, at least to some degree, to try to keep things in check. Because I can tell you guys, dogs, sometimes they act like overgrown children. You know what I mean? In that sense that they're not going to make the best decisions because they're dogs. Um, They're only so smart. And if we don't have people monitoring them properly, and that's a problem with dog parks too, is how many times are there know-it-all owners that actually know nothing? And, uh, you know. Okay, so that's the point is... it's not to say that dog parks are all bad. It's just to say that be cautious and be aware. And I would rather you go to a doggy day camp facility. (laughs) That's just my personal preference. So something to keep in mind. But if your dog is, if you feel like your dog is going to be a bad influence, 
Don't get a second dog. Go back to that a second. Don't get a second dog, guys. Just as a reminder, if you have a dog that you feel like maybe has some behavioral issues, those can turn into some intense behavioral issues with a second dog amplifying it. So be cautious, be careful, put a smart uh, head on your, be smart, put a head on your shoulders, right? And make sure you train your first dog before you bring a second dog into the mix. Also be aware of where you're taking your dog, what you're exposing them to, whether that be through your influence or dog influence. Make sure you're making smart decisions so good behaviors rub off on your dog. Next on Speak A Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on The First Pets, we'll be talking about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the 46th and current president of the United States, entering office in 2021. Now, their first dog champ was a German Shepherd who was born in 2008 and joined them during the vice presidency when Obama was president. Now, champ was enrolled in a dog training program in Delaware, where he learned to adjust to life uh, in and out of the White House and living on the grounds of the U.S. Naval Observatory, where the official residence of the vice president is located. Now, their second dog was a rescue named Major, also a German Shepherd, and the Biden family fostered Major for a few months to make sure it was the right fit. But unfortunately, even after adopting him, there were quite a few incidents of Major biting people, as I'm sure you guys probably heard about. So they sent him off to be trained, but he was returned to the White House still having some severe behavioral issues. So they sent him to live with friends instead. Now, the Biden family added a new purebred German Shepherd puppy named Commander in 2021. on Speaky Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Ainsley from Augusta, Georgia. Ainsley says, my mom and dad have a little Pomeranian. She is a devil dog. <laughs> she loves my mom and gets aggressive if anybody tries to come near her. She literally has to put the dog in a separate room if anybody comes over. She carries him around like an accessory, spoils him in all the wrong ways, and just does everything wrong. I am concerned about my kids when they go over to her house, and my mom just will not listen to us. She thinks the dog is protecting her. What should I do? Ainsley, I am so sorry you're having to deal with this, honestly, because that's a shame. Um, what I'm going to tell you is you need to take your phone over to your mother and hit play right now. <laughs> Ainsley's mom, I am sorry to say this, but you are creating a very dangerous and uncomfortable situation for your children, and I hate to be the one to inform you that you are in the wrong. What you are doing with your dog is very inappropriate and unfortunately is making your dog feel constantly anxious and the need to be aggressive. To have your dog in this state is not healthy. And clearly you can see it's affecting your loved ones around you to the point that you even have to separate your dog in another room. Uh, I, I'm so sorry to have to be the one to blow you know, the lid off of this and be the honesty here, but you're, clearly your daughter has tried to reason with you on this. And unfortunately, Ainsley's mom, you are incorrect in this moment. I need you to seek professional help, please, from a trainer, and please get your dog properly trained so your dog isn't living in this anxious state and your loved ones around you can feel safe and happy. Um, isn't that what we want? We want our dog to feel safe and stable and happy, and I would hope you want all your loved ones to feel the same way, and have your grandchildren come over and have them have a safe time in your home. Um, so Ainsley, what you should do is you guys need to hire a trainer, you need to hire a professional, and you need to deal with this in the correct way. And the only way to know how to do that and be knowledgeable is hiring a professional. I can't stress it again, please hire a professional to fix this problem. 
Next question. This comes from Tim from Jacksonville, Florida. Tim says, my wife and I have a beagle and we cannot trust him off leash at all. Even in the fenced backyard, he does not want to listen and does not want to come back to us. He's able to get out the front door. Uh, He has been able to get out the front door a handful of times. And I'm obviously terrified of him getting hit by a car. Now, luckily, our street is not very busy and it's nowhere near a big road, but he's not that big and things can happen. So um, what can I do to get him to come back to me when he gets out? Okay, Tim, good question. Look, the first and foremost, you know, like, and I know this is tough, but the best way to keep him from getting out is is to not let him out. I know easier said than done, but, you know, maybe you need to put some notes on the door. I don't know if it's other people in the household leaving the door open. Maybe it's one of those things where the door doesn't close all the way unless you really pull it. I'll just be honest. You guys got to be more diligent about this um, because that's the, that's the number one way to keep your puppy safe. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't work on it in other ways. Uh, we definitely want to be working on a recall and, and, and focus and things like that with your dog. Um, it's a beagle, a little tougher, <laughs> right? That nose knows. But I'm telling you, the easiest way to avoid your dog getting out is to keep the door shut in the house, right? Being aware of where your dog is when you're opening that door. Now, I, I got to give you a laundry list, okay? I, I'll be honest, I got to give you a laundry list. The first thing is you got to be walking him. Uh, if you're not walking your dog every single day, he's going to be maybe wanting to give himself a walk. I mean, that's the thing. The nose knows, and he smells those things, and he'll go. If you're giving him a walk, and you're giving him some sniff time on that walk properly, go back and listen to their segments, uh, then that might help at least a little bit with that exploration. Not to mention, bring the energy down. It's always what I would suggest is bring the energy down. Second thing is you got to start teaching your dog to not bolt out the front door. I wish I could get into the details of your laundry list today, but it's a lot. So you got to teach them to go out, uh, stop running out the front door. It even starts with when you let him out in the backyard. The question is, are you opening the door and just letting him go? Because that sets precedent on, on how the front door is treated, right? Maybe we need to create that sit and stay at the back door. That way he starts learning not to bolt out the front door. Okay, the other thing is we have to work on focus. I already know it because it's a beagle. Uh, you got to work on the focus and spend a little more time honing in maybe a kissy noise, calling his name, some particular noise that gets his attention and redirects him back to you. Now look, beagles are usually pretty food driven too. So find the treat that works. Find something extra stinky and smelly. Like I always recommend like a salmon or a duck treat. Those are kind of my go-tos for something extra, extra special uh, that we're going to work on just for the recall. Now working on a recall, you've got to do that. Check out my other segments on the recall. So many things to check out. Uh, So many segments and so much information, but the recall has got to be worked on in the backyard, in an enclosed, safe environment to start with. That way, once he gets out, you have a recall. But I'm telling you, Tim, you got to work on focus. You got to work on not bolting outdoors. You've got to work on the recall. You've got to work on walks and exercise. There's a lot to be done here to curb this because usually when a dog is bolting out the door like that, there are multiple symptoms of this cause, right? There's multiple things going on that are creating your dog to want to bolt out that door. And there's multiple ways we have to attack it uh, to get it under control. So if you want, you can reach out to me again. Uh, you know, we, we can, we can talk more. We're doing those free consultations until the end of the month of May. Anybody out there, if you want to do a free consultation with me, offering free consultations till the end of the month of May, feel free to email me questions at speakadogcast.com, or you can just message me on social media as well. So uh, thanks, Tim, for the question. Keep the questions coming at me. Email me, message me, whatever you want, guys. I'm loving them. Keep the questions coming and good luck out there training your dogs. The answer to today's trivia question, how many species of alligators are there? 
There are only two. Yes, the American alligator and the Chinese alligator. Now, interestingly, the name or the word alligator comes from the Spanish word for lizard, which is el lagarto. So you can easily see how the connection was made from el lagarto to alligator. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. Now you can follow me on Instagram at Dogcast. Don't forget to find my YouTube channel at Dogcast. Become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash Dogcast. I would like to thank my patrons, my pup supporter, Ragula Wright, and my dog friend, Maureen Crossan. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.